0: Hey guys, welcome back to Bible Line, it's Jesse Martinez here and we're going through our Galatians series, No Other Gospel, verse by verse through the entire book of Galatians. We're on part number eight today, we're looking at the adoption of sons, we're bringing chapter three to a close, looking at uh, phrases like the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, what that means, what kind of freedom we have within these verses. I think it's going to help you tremendously. So I hope you enjoy, and make sure if you haven't already, like, comment, share, subscribe. We want to make sure that this video gets out to a lot of people to help them understand the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoy it. If you'll take your Bible and go to Galatians chapter 3... We are going to be talking about the phrase adoption of sons. Paul is continuing to teach through um, what the purpose of the law was and why Christ came and did what he did. He's given us three examples of illustrations of the law. Just as a recap, we've seen two out of three of those. We're going to study the third one tonight. But the first one was as a prison warden, and you see that in verse 23 of chapter 3. And then as a schoolmaster or tutor, in verse 24 of chapter 3 in Galatians. And then tonight, we'll study as a guardian. These are all good examples because Paul is trying to tell them, here's the real purpose of the law, not what you've been told by these Judaizers. And this is important because if we're going to grow up into Christian development, if we're going to come as a little baby and then to a little toddler and then so on and so forth, as we grow up into spiritual maturity... We have to be able to discern the things that are going to come against salvation. If you are a growing Christian, then you probably already realize that the gospel is not simply where you began, it is how you continue. And it's going to continue to come under attack. Sometimes I roll my eyes when I see questions come into Bible line and I say, we just talked about that. Like we just spent an entire week or two weeks or even a month in a series on a specific issue, but... People hear a lot of different things coming their way. Well, I heard somebody say this, and I heard somebody say that. What say you? What what do you say? And it's important, if you're ever asked a question like that, that you can back it up with chapter and verse, because we're not the authors or the establishers of truth. We simply just herald out what the Bible says. So if you look there in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23, just to recap very briefly, under... uh, under the the idea of illustrations of the law, we see in verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should should afterwards be revealed. I want you to take note of that last phrase. And if you look over there uh, in chapter number four, you see in verse number four, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made unto the under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons these two things are tied together there is a purpose of the law it was to keep us under the idea that we are condemned before God because we fall short of this therefore there has to be a completion of the law someone has to be able to keep it fully for you to come out of condemnation. Look there in verse number 22 of chapter 3 in Galatians. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin. So here we are, whether you're the best of humanity or the worst of humanity, you're all under sin. And because of this is the purpose of the law given. You do not meet that standard, therefore you're under the law. So when the fullness of time came, as it says there in Galatians 4.4, 4, this is the purpose of Jesus Christ in this life. What was he coming to achieve? There are many things that he did achieve, but primarily he was to become the sacrifice for us in our place. Not getting too uh, out of line here, look in verse 24 of chapter 3 in Galatians. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. We talked about this heavily last week, but this is the second illustration of the law, moving from, those as a, uh, moving from the idea that the law is as a prison warden in that it shuts us up unto eternal life, showing that we need to have someone to set us free. Now we have the illustration of it teaches us. What does it teach us? Look what it says. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto who? Christ. If you, I, I know that you can understand this because we can understand what it's like to have debt in our lives. Uh, when you take on a debt financially, let's just talk about a credit card, you have a certain limit and you have a certain amount of time in which whatever you put towards that uh, limit has to be paid or there will be a fine that will be assessed on that amount and it will revolve into your amount for the next billing statement. You understand the principle of that balance is to show you you have a $100 limit, you're using $50, you are short. You're, you are not in compliance with a zero balance. And if you continue on into that and you don't make proper payments, then there are judgments that are laid down upon you. Can you imagine if you had a card that had something like a rewards program Right now, the uh, National Hockey League is having their playoffs, and they're running Discover credit card ads all the time. And I'm watching these ads because I'm watching the lightning. And by the way, wasn't that great? Five to one today. I mean, they put it on a, a real late, but you know, we have a 3-0 lead on the best team in the National Hockey League right now. But one of the ads that are running with Discover says, for your first year, you earn 5% cash back on certain categories in which Discover will reward you a certain amount. Let's say you owe $50 out of your $100 uh, limit, and you've earned $50 worth of rewards. The whole point of that reward system is for you to take it and then use it on your balance, so you kind of got something for free there. Listen and understand this. The law is supposed to point us to Christ, not to ourselves. And this was the classic error of the legalists. They were coming in, and they were saying, that the law is enough to save you. Therefore, all you have to do is continue to keep the law and you're going to get better and better and better. And this is a problem specifically for the Jewish people because their fathers couldn't keep the law and they knew this. But now you introduce the, the Greeks, the Romans, all these other people who are not familiar with the law and they're going out and saying, oh man, I'm a man now and I have to get circumcised in order to be accepted into God's family? Just as a side note, what Freddie did this morning, in relation to taking you into Acts chapter fifteen, is why I love the book of Acts. It's so very clear. It's like you're watching a movie, and you're just seeing a narration of everything that happened. And you could see it—the legalizers, uh, the, the the Judaizers coming in and saying, "No, no, 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 no! You you got to keep the law, and you got to be circumcised," and the apostles with, as the scripture says, no small dissension, being rightfully upset, and then having a council about these things, and then making a decision about these things based on what they already knew. I want you to understand that too, and Freddie said that. They didn't come up with some brand new thing. They didn't say, well, the Judaizers got their point, and we have our point, so let's have a happy mesh of these things and create this brand new doctrine. You see, there in Acts chapter 15, where it says, They are saved even as, or we are saved as they are saved. And he's referring back to the Gentiles that when they heard and believed, they received. Isn't that interesting that they didn't reverse it around? No, because we're all saved the same way by faith in him. We place our faith in Jesus Christ and we're saved. But you can see it's like a movie. It's like a a show. And you see all these things happen. You see how everybody was of the same accord and they gave advice and direction for how to deal with younger believers as they were struggling with causing a stumbling block to the unlearned or you know immature believers at the time. But it's interesting to see here that many of the councils in the world today, as a matter of fact, we're talking about councils here. I think this is interesting. If you study the birth of Calvinism, You go back to the Synod of Dort, and it was a bunch of people that came together who had special privilege and access to the Word of God. They came together and they started asking the question, did God really say that? And they say things like, is it simply by faith alone? Is salvation simply by faith alone? They ask questions in which we don't really have a lot of knowledge about, like why did Lucifer fall? And which came first, the eternal decree of salvation or something else? And they look for things that are not clear in Scripture to make a case and example out of. And what ends up happening is what they all tend to agree with gets molded together and now is pushed out as truth. And I like how we can look to the original Scriptures, as we see here, in the the Bible, and we can see exactly what they knew about salvation. We don't have to have a council 10 years later or a thousand years later to redefine what salvation is. And my point there is, it's so important to be satisfied with the Scripture. Don't look for someone else to validate what the Scripture has already clearly said. You can understand this. And yes, it may be difficult. It may be a little hard in the beginning But pray about it. And Freddie talked about that this morning too. How many times, when we run into a hard passage, do we pray about it? Instead of just jump ship and say, Am I really saved because I don't understand this passage now? Is it really all by grace or this one passage makes it seem otherwise? How many times do we pray through those things? And you'll see how it takes time for us to understand certain passages. But if you keep praying to the Lord, he's going to keep giving you the things that you need at that time, and you're going to continue to grow. I was, we were talking at lunch today about baby believers, specifically baby believers that want to be adults. Babies don't lead adults. I mean, there could be an argument for that. <laughs> they do dictate quite a bit of an adult's life. <laughs> But in regards to responsibility and leadership, that's not what babies do. Babies simply receive, and they receive and receive, and they grow and they grow, and so they get to the point of they're no longer babies, and they grow up, and as they grow up, they get more responsibilities. This is just the natural progression of life. All of us in here at once needed the care of somebody to be able to survive. We all needed that. And we've now grown to the point where we can take care of ourselves. This illustration is the exact illustration you see in the first three verses of Galatians 4. Look now. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we when we were children in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. We're going to pause there for just a second because we've got a lot that I want to talk about with verse 4. So let's just look at those first three verses. I think this is important to understand. This is not talking about your Christian growth. All right? This is not saying you're here as a child of God. This is talking about the natural progression in the Jewish custom and in the Greek custom of a son. Somebody who's in the family, at, at one point, because they do not have the ability to do it on their own, they receive the same care as those who are servants. Look what it says there that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from the servant, though he be Lord, under, uh, be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors. This is the purpose of the law to bring us unto instruction. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I'm sure if you think hard enough, you can remember as a child the first time you broke those plain, clear, and simple instructions from God. You can remember the first time that you lied. You can remember the first time that you stole something that was not yours. These things were there, not because we live in a society which embraces these things. Did you know it's natural for people to understand that stealing is wrong and murder is wrong? I'll never forget this story. I was in, uh, where were we? Somewhere in Pennsylvania. I can't remember, but we were there at uh, Ethnos 360's training ground. Wyoming, I think is what it was called. Wyoming. And they, you, uh, we went there as a part of our... Uh, college experience and trent did you go yeah you went and mildred went and justin tyler all of us went it was a great experience and we drove up there in doc's rv and we had a wonderful time and i remember the speaker's name was greg he was describing unreached people groups now we're not talking about people that just dress differently than you and me we're talking about people that have not been touched by the outside world and i mean by a third world country when I'm talking about they haven't been touched by a first world country, they're off the map. They are not, they're just living in the jungle. That's it. They don't have a written language. It's just speaking in some type of understood way. If you were to ask them to present a dictionary of their language, they don't have it. <laughs> this is amazing because within that natural language, Base, you're just not saying they're stupid. I'm just saying, without any kind of cultural influence, they are able to understand right and wrong. Let me give you a story on that. Tribe A had a person go out into Tribe B, which is not far away, probably about five to ten miles away from them, but they're all traveling by foot through dense jungle. And they went from Tribe A, this one person went into Tribe B, and he killed another tribe member over there. Killed him. People saw him do it. He goes back to his tribe. Tribe B responds this way. They take the bones of that man who was slain. They take a fruit like a banana. They churn the bones up with the banana, fine enough to where they're able to consume it in some type of liquid. And then they go out to tribe A and they declare war on that tribe, and they battle for the soul of that man who died. It it was 100% natural to understand, you take somebody's life, you're in error. This is important to understand. Did we see that established before the law? Did we see that established before the law? The answer is yes. What's the first recorded... uh, murder in all of human history. Cain slaying his brother Abel because Abel had the proper sacrifice and Cain had the improper sacrifice. The whole purpose of morality and, and our ability to understand good and evil, which is what Eve was deceived with in the garden, and she ate of that fruit and Adam ate of that fruit, and they, we do know between good and evil now. And we know that we fall short. We are supposed to grow up into these things to bring us back to what we just talked about in the beginning of the message. You are condemned. You've broken God's law. Therefore, you need somebody who is not condemned to take your place or you will suffer an eternal separation from God in hell, period. We don't wait for kids to establish their own rule of law. Can you imagine what that would be like if we as parents sat down and waited for our child to establish their own boundaries? You say, Jesse, that's not happening. It is happening. Some of the things I'm learning through this adoption process, let me tell you, when we were getting our, uh, I our home study, we were doing our home study, and they, wanted, they, they asked us what kind of of parental instruction are we going to carry? And there were many different ones. There's, you know, there's like heavy corporal and all these, all these different things. But one of the descriptions of what it would be like to have an acceptable parenting style is those that are indulgent. That's the style. It's called indulgent. Now, when you think of indulgent, you think of something sweet that you probably shouldn't eat too much of. You know? It's like, oh, this is very... Rich, you're not going to sit down and eat six full Hershey's chocolate bars and feel great. You know, it's not going to be good for you. There's a parenting style out there, and you see it kind of today with the very liberal movement. Our child determines all the right and wrong in their life. It is actually an infringement for me as a parent to say otherwise. Are we for real? Are we for real? This is happening. We have companies that are willing to pay for gender reassignment of 18 and 19-year-old workers at their company. This is what's happening in the world today. Well, this is how I feel. How you feel does not change what God has already said. And it's important to understand that just as the model of natural child growth and development shows us, and, and child rearing as a parent shows us, there are times when the child is treated as the servant. I'm not talking about as a slave, in the idea of an American uh, view of slavery. What we're talking about here is those who are workers, those who go out and do certain responsibilities and are held to a certain standard. Children have to grow up. And as it says here in verse 2, there is a time that's appointed by the Father in which these things change. What is that time in history? Jesus born into the world. And as that happened, He grew up, He made that offering on the cross. Look at verse 4. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, verse 3. Even so we... When we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, there's a lot of discussion about what is this phrase, elements of the world. I'm not exactly sure. A lot of commentaries seem to think that he's talking about the basic practices of religion. I would tend to agree with that. The basic, don't do this and do this. Verse 4, But when the fullness of time was come, Everything's coming to a head now. Everything's boiling. The water is getting hot. You can see the bubbles. The steam is rising. To this climactic point, God sent forth His Son. Jesus being born into the world is what everybody before Christ looked forward to and what you and I look back to to determine, as it says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, that we might be justified by faith. That's the point. This is the moment where everything comes together. Look what it says there at the rest of this verse. Made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is why verses 1 through 3 are not talking about you as a believer. We're talking about the natural progression of the world's knowledge. God came to Abraham and gave him a promise. Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. And those who looked forward to the coming Messiah received the free gift of eternal life. You and I look back to that moment when Christ died on the cross. We also receive eternal life. This is the whole plan of God. All the strings coming together and being tied into one. Jesus Christ. He's he's everything, guys. We don't move away from Him. We don't grow on into more spiritual things. It's Jesus always, always, always. And if we move forward from that and think we're some, we get into more wisdom because, oh, I've moved past the basic things. You're actually a fool. We want to complicate things. And when the the natural order of the world is against that idea, look what it says there in verse 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. And then there's some things here. Why is it important to know that He was made of a woman? It's fulfillment of what was said in Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman. Jesus Christ had a real human body. He was fully God and fully man. So that when He died on that cross, He died for us, as as a man, for us. He made that payment, made, here's the next important point, under the law. He's not walking around above it. He's held accountable to it, because so are you and me. If he's riding above it, he can't die for us because he's not under it. We don't ride above the law, do we? Go out and try to murder someone later on this afternoon. See how that goes. Boy, someone's going to clip that. And that's going to make it around the internet. <laughs> you know, like, Did you hear what Jesse said? Uh, well, you know. Go out and try to break the law today and say, sorry officer, I'm over the law. Yeah, the only thing you're going to be buttoning is the handcuffs behind you. We're still under the law. We're still held accountable by do and don't. However, because we have put our faith in Him, He was under the law, made of a woman like you and me. We now get to receive the inheritance, the adoption into God's family. Look at verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. There's two types of redeeming here, and I'll use the word deliverance for more clarity. He delivered us from bondage. The bondage of the law and into eternal sonship. So now we get blessings. We're not just someone who works for the family. We're in it. And we get to enjoy blessings because of it. Here's one, eternal life. Do I need to name another for it to be satisfactory? (laughs) You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Well, eternal life sounds good, but how about this? How about what? What else do we need? This phrase here, that we might receive the adoption of sons, is one of the most beautiful phrasing because of the next verse. Look in verse 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Here's what this is saying. You now have the Holy Spirit residing in you, pointing, not to your judge, not to the person who condemns you, but to dad. The phrasing in the original language gives forth the idea of daddy, okay? In our culture today, worship groups have really latched onto this and have made some services Quite uncomfortable, because they use that phrase "daddy" in an immature way, as in like, "Oh, daddy, God, this and I've heard men uh, pray this way. It's just it's it's uncomfortable. That's not the phrase here that we're looking for. We're not looking for goo goo gaga. No, that that's not what we're talking about. This is dad. I need you. And he says, "What do you need, my son?" This is close intimacy that is a result of a familial bond. Kids are cute. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not running around as little kids. This life is tough. This life is hard. There's persecution. There are difficulties in this life. You have a personal relationship with the Lord. Dad, help me. You can cry that out and be in the right and know you have audience with God through Jesus. I'm serious, folks. What else do we need to know other than that? Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 14. Seeing them, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin." Let us therefore come boldly. Please mark that and understand the tone here. This is not kicking open the doors of heaven and saying, hey, I got a problem. This is not a spirit of arrogance or pride. This is not a demanding demeanor. This is confidence. Confidence that what? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Servants don't have this access. Sons do. And one of the beautiful things that we see, you can go back to Galatians chapter 4, one of the beautiful things that we see here is that Holy Spirit being delivered to us. We know from past studies when we studied on Wednesday night and just through the natural course of looking at the book of John that the Holy Spirit is a promise that is given to all, it was a promise that the Holy Spirit will be given to all believers to lead, guide them in truth, to be a part of their, to be the seal, but also it points back to Jesus. Do you see how the statement I made earlier with it's all about Jesus continues to bear itself true? I also just want to say this because I can understand passages like this can be difficult for people that had really, really crummy dads. I'll never forget being in ranch, I saw this kid one time, never saw him again. But we talked about this passage, we talked about something similar about this, and he said, if God's like my dad, I don't want any part of him. And you know what, folks? That's a reality for a lot of people. Because we got sinful, wicked people. Of which you and I are also in that category. But I had a wonderful opportunity to explain to him, this is why this is so wonderful. You don't have another earthly father who doesn't live up to proper standards. You have God as your father, who makes no errors, who does not discipline you out of anger, who wants to lead you and guide you into all truth, and has many wonderful blessings for you. Folks, the whole concept of the judgment seat of Christ is mind-boggling, That the Creator will reward the creation. That's like us having a reward ceremony for our computers. (laughs) We made the things. Can you imagine what it's going to be like at the judgment seat of Christ to receive something from the Lord? To hear, Well done to have Him be pleased with our sacrifices here, it puts everything into the proper color and lens. We're part of the family now. We have special access. Verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. An heir into Christ that eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Pause with me here for a moment and go to Ephesians chapter 1. Just a couple pages over to the right. Look in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know why you don't have the $82.7 million mansion here? You have all that you need in heaven. It's waiting for you. When we were on the island last week, they had a little, a cute little newspaper called The Islander, and it's about maybe like 12 pages. It was nice, guys. I turned my phone off for the whole week, and uh, I still had access to some... Internet, digital content, but it was nice to sit on the couch and handle a real newspaper. <laughs> I just thought it was nice. But one of the sections they had on there were recent sales. I'm to talk about some property on Anna Maria Island that is expensive, all caps, italicized, underlined, and bolded. <laughs> expensive! These little tiny duplexes going for 700 dollars $850,000. Property that's not even on the beach going for 2.2 million. And people are buying it. It's on the market for three weeks and they're buying it. That's not the definition of spiritual success. Nor is it the definition of spiritual blessing. It's okay to invest here and, and, and to get a return on your investments. That's fine. That's not what we should be living for. Look in verse 4 according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There is coming a day when we will be completely holy and without blame before him. This is a motivation to keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Don't be satisfied with just a little bit. Get all that you can in the Lord. Listen, while you can. But all this is possible because you're in the family now. This is, go back to Galatians chapter 4 there in verse 7. This is the purpose the law has brought us into. Without knowing that you were condemned, you don't know that you need a Savior. And someone brought that information to you, and you received it with gladness and believed. Some of you didn't receive it well the first time. Some of you continued to mock, maybe even continued in sin. But eventually you understood and you believed. And praise the Lord for that. Do you see why this makes church sweeter than just, oh, we're here on uh, Sunday nights to have Pastor Jesse give us another lullaby, I mean sermon. Ah, we're coming to the picnic because, oh, i got to make appearances no, I, I can't tell you how wrong that is. I just—I was telling Kyle this. We, we were at Outback Steakhouse and they were pretty slammed. <laughs> we were there for about two hours. And you know what? We had gone out to a place to eat the other day too. And whatever's happening with our economy and people not wanting to do jobs, it's affecting. It is really affecting. I saw one guy running the whole floor last week. I felt bad for him. Uh, but we were there for quite a bit and I had a chance to sit down, and you know, them Freddie and Michael are talking over here, Nicole and Janet and Kyler are talking over here. Hunter and Aiden are doing something, they're, they're reading or, or playing games with Bethany, and, and I'm talking to Ben. We get here, and Trent's walking out. He, he just got back, and Robert and Erica are bringing in their baby, and I walk into the door, and Cheyenne's in the nursery, and I get into my office, and I'm just saying, I'm so blessed. So blessed to have a little church family like this. And it's not because of the fellowship and all those different things. It's just because I know where all these people are going. We're all trying to do the same thing. That's rare. Freddie said that in in the beginning, how precious fellowship is. I'm just thankful we're all trying to get the same thing done. And then I get to stand up here. I, I don't get as nervous as I used to delivering the Word of God because I know we're all trying to get the same thing done. And if I say a word fitly spoken, and it's a rebuke to you, you understand where it's coming from. We are sons now. We are children now. And there are special things that we can enjoy that we would never be able to if we were just simply creations. And I rejoice I rejoice greatly. My in-laws are running the Iwana program back there. And my nephews are old enough to help out. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. It wouldn't be possible without Jesus. We would not be able to have such a sweet fellowship. Can you imagine being in a work based ministry? In a misery that, uh, uh, a misery. Hey, might have been a slip in the tongue or it might have been the Lord saying, use that word in a miserable ministry that was nothing more than a measuring of your good works to determine if you're in or not? I'm glad we don't have cliques here at Calvary. And that can very easily happen in churches. We all want a fellowship with one another. The guys who are uh, reading the Scripture on Sunday morning in the Scripture reading are just as willing to go teach a message to the men one time a year. I'm talking about Jay. Now he's stepping into a role to fill the, the uh, responsibilities of Bob Gilbert while he is on a much-deserved vacation, and he's doing it with gladness. Tina, who's a graduate of Florida Bible College, is leading the ladies' Sunday school class. I'm not kidding when I say I walk by that Sunday school class every single Sunday morning, and I find them in prayer. This is all because we are now into one family. And you know what we should want to continue to do? Grow the family. Get more people under the sounds of the gospel. Bring them in. Bring them in. You can close your Bibles as we're, we're nearing the end here. There's a hymn. Not a hymn. Uh, it's a song. It's in the Firehouse Five book. It's called, My House is Full. And the chorus is, My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stand around my table but no one will go and work in my fields. No one will go and work in my fields. Oh, the purpose of Galatians is to bring us into a better understanding of the gospel. Yes, this is true. To what end? To what end? Listen to me now. To what end? So you can simply know? So you can simply advance in knowledge and not say anything to anybody else? No, this is for you to go and tell more people. This is for you to go out and get that message out to somebody else who is where you once were. And I just want to say firmly, if that's not a desire of yours, you need to realign your priorities, period. If the salvation of souls is not important to you, reassess, stop, look at yourself, and ask the question, why not? Why not? This hand to represent you and me, and my wallet will represent sin. The Bible clearly says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, he loves us, but he hates our sin because this sin separates us from him. In order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect, just like God, and we all fall short. That's why we're called sinners. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God forever in a place called hell. There's no amount of good works that we can do that will be a satisfactory payment for our sin. But Jesse, what if I go to church and I give a proper amount of money and I keep the law to the best of my ability, I stay out of trouble and I'm just an overall good, nice, kind person. All those things are works and you cannot apply them to your sin. The wages of sin is death. You cannot work your way to heaven. This hand, for the sake of the illustration, will represent Jesus Christ. He is fully God and He's fully man. And 2,000 years ago, He went to that cross on Calvary. He took all the sin of all the world, laid it upon Himself, and He cried out, It is finished. And He gave up His life. He took His body, His shed blood, and made a payment for your sin. He was buried And he rose again three days later. And when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in the dead of night, he said this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Should not perish here means you're not going to be spiritually separated from God. In fact, even further back in John 3, you're now born of the spirit. And you get to have an eternal position in God's family because you are his child now. I bring the hands together to signify that we are eternally secured. You ever had the chance to hold your little one's hand and maybe they want to tug and pull and go a different way, but who's holding on to them? You are. John 10, 28 through 30 tells us the same thing. We're not holding on to God and His hand is like this, as a stoic statue, don't let go. No, He's holding on to us. And He'll never let go. Ever. Now because of these things, we can grow and develop and mature and win more people to Christ and encourage more believers. But if you're here today, And you're not a part of God's family. You're not sure if you're going to heaven. You have no idea of any kind of assurance of eternal life. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. You believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're born into God's family. You're eternally secured. Amen? We've now been placed and adopted as sons. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you're here tonight, maybe that message has made sense to you for the first time. Would you please believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? His death, burial, and resurrection is the full payment for your sin. I'm praying for you. If you did believe on Him, I would like to continue to pray for you. I'm going to ask for a raise of hands that doesn't save you. It just lets me know that it it made sense and you believe tonight. Anyone before we close? Those who are watching on the internet, there's an opportunity for you too. Not just here at the end of the message, but at any time I would encourage today, now, please believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive as a free gift everlasting life. Heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. Isn't it sweet to know that you're no longer a child of darkness, of wrath? You're no longer uh, just a child of this world. But you are placed into God's family. I pray that this message has encouraged you. If you have self-esteem that says differently, remember what the Scripture says You're a child of God that cannot be changed. Enjoy fellowship with other believers. Oh, but it's hard. Well, move past that. And then be about souls and winning them. Father, thank you for adopting us, for bringing us into your family permanently. Thank you for Jesus' body and blood. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your words so plainly written. Give us the strength and wisdom that we need to fight against spiritual wickedness in high places. Help us to be light bearers, bringing people into the knowledge of the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.